0: Hope you had a great summer, Uh, hope that you got to go on vacation and do all the things that that brought your soul respite and that we're ready to be challenged in the word of God. One of the good things that makes me glad to be here is I'm glad to be with you, to be in fellowship with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We, Pastor Eric and the Preaching Collective and myself, we've been planning for quite some time what this fall series would be. And today we're gonna to kick it off. Um, and we're just simply entitling it, uh, Me and We. And over the next several weeks, we're going to deal with the tension uh, that happens when, when, when God is dealing with me uh, and how I impact the larger community. Uh, when I want my family to be better, I want anything that I'm involved with to be better. Uh, that that thing can really be no better than what I bring and who I am. And so uh, nothing is stronger than its weakest link. And so we don't want to be the weak link. We don't want to be the reason something is not successful. So ultimately, we're all called to negotiate and to look in the mirror and look at ourselves. It is impossible to interact and interface with people and not have an impact. Everybody has an impact. It's just a matter of what type of impact you're going to have. Everyone has influence. There's no such a thing as you touch something and you don't leave your fingerprint. It just need to know where your hand's dirty. You leave something. And so that's what we're going to contemplate. Pastor Eric and I will do most of the t- preaching. But I'm going to get us started. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Come on, lift that cup up before the Lord. Would you do that for me? And would you say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow? Got to say before I preach to you, want to say this to you, getting started on the fall semester. It's important to me that you know before I preach to you, check this out, I love you. I value this opportunity to sow the seeds of the Word of God into your life. I pray that they're going to make a difference today, I believe. The Word of God is going to bring somebody a harvest. So here we are, uh, me and we, and Colin made, uh, my main man Colin, he's done such a great job, a new praise and worship leader. Uh, he made a, yeah, let's give I'll give it off for Colin. Uh, ter- turns out that he's quite the person with the graphics as well that friend's benefit our cup is running over y'all he's a blessing uh so he made a, a little graphic and this is what we're going to try and do I, I want us all uh to be convinced that we should walk in the power of we and so there's a little graphic do you have that graphic out there yeah <laughs> that's colin's work. hey man yeah 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 all right colin so he and I were talking about, and I was envisioning uh, a we uh, that was strong. And so uh, I just gave him my vision and and he took it to the next level. So praise God for that. But, But that's ultimately the best place for us to hang out, is in the power, not of our established we's, and we'll talk about this, but is in the power of God's we. Is what has God created all of us to be the safest place in the whole wide world is when you and I dwell within the will of God. So turn with me to Psalms 100. Is where we'll draw our base text from. <clears throat> I'm gonna give me about, you know, half hour or so. We're going to kick it up. And don't worry, we've got some hot dogs. I, I tell you what, I'm going to preach till the hot dogs get done. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody's going to go back here and say, here y'all. <laughs> no, I'm just going to preach until God tells me stuff. So. Turn with me to Psalms 100. Is where we'll draw our base text. And I think that uh, it'll be a blessing. You guys pray for me. Psalms 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord. This is important. All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Verse 3. Know, wait a minute, know this, that the Lord is God Inference, not you. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Therefore, since you know this, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For, church, the Lord is good. Amen? And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. In the Bible, Old Testament, we know that Moses was a Hebrew but was raised as an Egyptian. He lived life in two extremes. But in the end, it benefited Israel that he had been in both places. We needed him to have had both experience. One existence did not cancel or void out the other. We're glad he spent time in Pharaoh's house we're glad that he found his real identity with his own people. Where would we be if Pharaoh's daughter had not rescued him? We needed both. Paul, the apostle, oppressed many people. We're not happy about that. But on the other extreme, he's also the reason so many people came to know Christ. He too... Live life in two vastly different extremes. And yet both experiences combine to make him powerful. Would you look at your neighbor and say, we need both? When I was preparing this, I, I, I didn't run it, but I remember a, a 1995 commercial when Deion Sanders was renegotiating, because he, he's trending right now, he, Deion's trending. And so when he was renegotiating with the Dallas Cowboys, there was a famous Pizza Hut commercial. And it came on, and he and Jerry Jones were walking through Texas Stadium. And he says to Deion, what will it be, Deion? Will it be football or baseball? And Deion says, both. He says, what is it going to be, Deion? Are you going to play offense or are you going to play defense? And Dion looked at Jerry Jones, and he says, "Both." And then, at the end of the commercial, because he was signing a record deal, Jerry Jones looked at him. He says, "What's it going to be, Dion? Is it going to be fifteen million or twenty million?" And Dion said, "Both." <laughs> In our text today, and over the next few weeks, we will focus our preaching on the negotiation that takes place when we as individuals and as entities experience life in two extremes what does it mean for a family when we believe different things but in spite of our beliefs and values God has called us to be a family we bring that tension to the household when we must negotiate it because what is not optional is that God has called us to be family what does it mean for a community when we hold varying and different values, but life has made us to be neighbors? What does it mean for a team when there's an offense and a defense, but the scoreboard insists that we win and lose together? We're a single unit. How, church, do we live in an America when some of us came over on immigrant ships and others on slave ships, but we all find ourselves in the same boat now, trying to overcome inherent racial biases in the system so that we might possibly, maybe someday, somehow, be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. How? And the answer is, we got to learn how to do both and finally how do we move forward as a church that values justice and racial reconciliation when we have traditionally and historically defined and approached god differently and when one group has more power than the other but god in our mission statement insists that we move forward together in equity and unity psalms 100 gives us the answer the psalmist says that you and I should shout unto the Lord. Come before the Lord with gladness. And he says that everybody on the earth, this, is, this message is to everyone on earth, with joyful songs. Know that the Lord, he is God. Here's the answer to our questions, church. Here's the answer, and here's, here's where we'll set the stage for the preaching over the next few weeks It is when you and I, common denominator, know that the Lord, he is God. And it is he who has made us, all of us. Here's the we, we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And right there, I just gave you the answer. Herein is the basic identity for all of humanity. It is when God in the psalmist says we. We all have the same place of origin. We see ourselves differently, but this is what's true. We were made for the same purpose. We were made for God's purpose. We were all made, according to the psalmist, to give praise to God. Not as an action, but as you live, you are the guitar, you are the tambourine, you are the piano, you are the instrument, you are the praise. We were made as a praise to God. And yet we were made together. So the best way for us to praise God is in the way that he made us, in unison and in unity. And then finally, we all have the same problems, struggles to stay together, to stay confined within this we that God made. It's not easy to stay in the thing that God made. But church, this is what's true. This is everybody's first tribe. This is everybody's real family. It is this we that God made. Y'all, this is your first group. The Bible says that we, first, we are his. We belong to him. We are his people. Can I suggest to you that this is the most significant we that you and I will ever belong to? It's the most significant we that we'll ever belong to. This is the biggest we that we could ever be a part of. We are all his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are all sheep. And what binds us together is that he is the shepherd. Look at where we are in Psalms 100. We are in the equitable and justifiable position of being one in God. Look at who we are. We are a part of the flock of God. Here's the victory in the text. Here's the victory in Psalms 100. That God doesn't do this we without including me and without including you. The victory in the text is that I'm not just involved in we, God has intentionally placed me in the we. As for the we, it is incomplete without me. The good news is that this we incorporates me, and all of us could say that. But here's where I turn this this channel. The bad news is that God's we is not all about me. In fact, in order to really fulfill and to live in and to be a part of God's we, it requires that I sacrifice me so that I am available to do the thing that God wants to do in the greater we. Matthew put it like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, 24 through 26. Whoever wants to be my disciple. Here's the tension of me. We must first deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You got to be a bigger part of the big thing. We're not doing your thing. You got to check your thing at the door. For whoever wants to save their life, do their thing, will lose it. But whoever loses their life will find me, and me will find it. What good will it be if you do your thing, if you walk in your me? What good it would be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? The exchange is, I'm exchanging me for God's we. I'm cashing in, God. I got plans. I I have, I have thoughts. I have dreams. But I'm willing to cash them in for the greater thing that you want to do. So then the writer says that we are sheep. Why does the Bible refer to us as sheep? We are compared to sheep, watch this church, This describes me. I'm not dissing you right now. But if the shoe fits, you know, just go ahead and wear it. I'm just gonna put myself out there. We are compared to sheep because we will follow anyone without thinking. We are easily led astray. Anybody like me, we get enticed. In many cases, We are in love with the world and the things of the world. We're selfish. We're self-aggrandizing. We're self-pleasing. And we can't exist in God's we and fulfill our own will. That's why he calls us sheep. We have no sense of direction and we cannot defend ourselves in times of trouble. Here's what the writer said in Isaiah. Here's what happens to God's we All we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned every one of us to his own way. This is what happens when the psalmist says God made is this we and in this we is healing, in this we is community, in this we is the best life. And then what happens to this way is that all of us in our flesh tend to go away and turn to our own way. Again, Isaiah 53 and 6 says, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him the sins of us all. God tells us that there is safety in staying in him. And Jesus came to bring us back to the sheep. So today, here's, here's the first one that I will introduce. Here's what's true, that when we are in the flock of God, we take on one of these dichotomies and we'll talk about several dichotomies and two extremes and yet we belong to this whole thing, this whole we. So what is true in the text that the writer is telling us is that we're all in the flock of God but we live in subcategories. Some of us are lost and some of us have been found. Some of us are followers, here's the other extreme, and some of us are drifters. Some of us have lived into be obedience and so we represent the first and some of us have left God and now we're bringing up the rear, we're the last. And and here's what Jesus wants to show us, watch this church. That everybody that's found used to be lost. (laughs) And everybody that's lost, somebody celebrate with me, can still be found. It doesn't matter where you are. You're still in the flock of God. God's grace, God's love still covers you. And if you're like me, you've had seasons of great loss. I've lost and I've lost so many things and I've lost so many people. I've lost my confidence. I've lost my joy. I've lost my zeal. I've lost uh, my friendships. I've lost so much. In fact, I was so lost, I didn't think I could be found. But somebody rejoiced with me. God knew where I was. And he knows where you are. And here's what happens. When we get lost, misery loves company. You ever had anybody going the wrong way, doing the wrong thing, and recruit you? (laughs) Roll with me. Hang out with me. Cut class with me. Hit this with me. You got five on it? It's a little cultural reference for (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I'm about to do it. And I'm trying to, I'm leaving God. I'm leaving the big we. I no longer want to uh, be obligated to it. I no longer want to walk by the rules of God's we. I'm about to do my own thing and I need some help. I need some company. I'm trying to invent a small we. And I'm recruiting to my small we. I need you to come out and hang with me. And here's what Jesus does when you and I did that. He's like, I don't care where you are. The truth is you can't escape God's way. And watch this church. Nobody can put you out of God's way. You belong. Because you get Psalms 100 whether you like it or not. You get Psalms 100 whether you live in it or not. So the Bible says in Luke 15 four, then Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Implied, yes. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders He takes the burden off of it and puts it on himself. He takes the... Isn't that what God did for us when he found us in wretchedness and sin and unrighteousness? His blood lifted us. Y'all know the song we used to sing, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, right? And that, that, that his love lifted us out of our iniquity. And he put us on his shoulder, and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found the lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So as I get ready to close this morning, I'm trying to lay the foundation for what Pastor E and I will Talk about over the next several weeks, and we've been planning this for over a year. What's true in society? What's true, if we can take Psalms 100 and the parable of the sheep, and if it's our model that we could all be in the flock of God and some of us be lost and some of us be found and some of us who are found used to be lost and, and, and live in all of those trajectories, then what's true? And this is true about our humanity. Some of us could be rich and others be poor but God still sees us the same. Some of us could be young and old, white or black Asian, Hispanic, male, female, strong, weak, all of these dichotomies and God still says, yeah, but you're still just a part of my bigger we. That's how you see you but guess how I see you. And the best thing you could do to praise me The best thing you could do is to get over all of the things that you have let divide you and come back and praise me in the way that I made you in Psalms 100. Because the best praise isn't black people's praise. The best praise isn't white people's praise. The best praise isn't the Latin church's praise or the Asian church's praise. The best praise is when we put all of our praise together and come back to God in unity and harmony. That's the best praise. And God is inviting us and beckoning us to get over it, get past it. The only thing that has you out there is you're operating in your me. And it won't let you get To my divine we so not only do we get led astray but there are societal pressures that when a group of people or show a tendency right it's it's not necessarily we'll label them because because you know they do something in show a tendency to do that thing continually, and then we will put them in that prison. So back in slave days, you know, coming up, mostly in my parents, well, they did eat a lot of chicken because that's what they could afford and watermelon. And then some people stereotypically said, well, all black people then eat chicken and watermelon well there are societal things that any one group will do and if they show a tendency what you and I might do is say well that's who you are that's your trajectory now I like watermelon and chicken (laughs) but not all black people play basketball I do right so what am I saying? So so here's how it happens. When I was my son was in the second grade, and I'm closing, uh, there was an Indian family who came into the gym. They were the only Indian family there, and everybody was black or white, and we we're playing basketball. And I got a sense from this kid, second grade basketball. I'm a coaching. His name was Ninad. And his family came in, and I could read his father like, I don't really know about this basketball thing, we don't really do that, but nobody told my son, right? So so my son wants to do this. I'm like, man, don't worry, of all the people you could have, teams you could have got on, I got you. This is a chance for me to show love, to show the love of Christ, and there were a lot of cultural barriers, there were language barriers, all like that. And so um, we fixed that situation, it went extremely well. And his grandmother would come in and she would bow to me and hug me and we we, we worked it out. And it went great until one day uh, we had to bring snacks. Every family has to bring a snack. And when this family was turned to bring the snack, someone said something very derogatory about what they might bring based upon... What they ignorantly thought of their customs and traditions, right? And my eight-year-old son picked up on that and laughed and said, "Oh yeah, they'll probably bring that." And 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 this was the worst day of my parenting, right? I'm like, "Oh no, bro, we don't get down like that." Oh, I know you ate, but that's racist. I know you ate, but that's stereotypical. How did that get in my house? how did how did you say that I, I'm livid I'm I'm I, I, I'm struggling in the moment it's, it's, it's the worst thing I think can happen but I got to make it make sense to an eighth grader I'm wishing he was 18 I really just wanted to knock him out <laughs> I like I just need you to get an 18 real quick I need to knock you out and I'm struggling because how does my child say this how, how did how did how did that get in my house? Where did you even hear some mess like this? How? And then that's the day I realized that I'm parenting, and it's me against the internet. It's me against societal norms. It's me against everything he'll hear, learn, and see when he walks out my door. And I had to fight hard to screen that because I'm devastated. I'm like, bro, we don't do stereotypes because we always going to lose that. Like, <laughs> you black, bro, you're going to be at the bottom of that. We don't do that. We don't play that game because it's not right, but we can never win that game because of who you are. So, man, two years ago, my son lives in California now. And he said to me, Dad, I'd rather be in California broke trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my rent than move back to Indiana. And I said, okay, man, that's your thing. That's how you get down. That's cool. He said, I love you. I love coming home to see you. But I don't do that. And I said, by the way, why is that? He says, because dad, out here, everybody mess with everybody. We all get along. We all do it. So I was really proud in that parenting moment. I was like, yeah, that ain't true either, but I ain't going to push it, right? (laughs) I'm just proud that the eight-year-old learned and now the 28-year-old The eight-year-old gave me my worst parenting moment. The 28-year-old gave me my best one. His life at extremes. It is societal pressure. It is, if you're not careful, society will define who you are outside of God's we. There's pressure in society not to be that. But we have to fight to say the greatest thing that I can be is in God's we so much more I have for you today I want to end it like this over the next several weeks you and I will Pastor E we'll look at the various ways that we've been led astray The things that entice us. The dichotomies. And yet at the end of the day the greatest thing that we can be rich, poor, we'll deal with all of that is to get past ourselves and the way that we look at ourselves and somehow get back to God's we. It is getting back. We need a we revival. We need a return to God's we. And that is the greatest place where we can serve God. So the first person that I met at Common Ground Northeast was Sarah Schrader. It was the week I got hired. I was in the office and somebody hit the white door and I was like, hello, it was Sarah Schrader. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm new. I don't know, you. I don't even know if I can let you in." <laughs> uh, but she had some gas cards, so I figured that must be cool. <laughs> and um, she came in, and we started talking telling about the Oaks and the family and all like that.' It was the first person I met, and, and then Katie came and that conversation got short, So the next week I saw her in the cafe, and she said to me but hopefully you're going to bring some of the stuff that you know, right? I said, yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Because at the end of the day, we all need our we to be enlarged. Mm. We all need an expansion of our we. I've been here for two years I want you to know that I love you. I have learned so much from you. You have expanded my we. Mm. Thank you so much. I am better because I'm learning from you. Thank you. And now I want to return the favor.